In this episode, I dive deep into the history of Disney, beginning with Walt Disney to today with many recent hits. Hello, my name is Rohan Prashant, and welcome to the Zombies Heroes podcast from ZombiesHeroes.com. This is not your grandmother's review podcast. No offense to your grandma or mine, but on this podcast, I don't just review movies and shows. I take you behind the scenes, talk about box office, ratings, budgets, backstories on actors and directors, and fun facts about the movie that most other shows just don't talk about. Without further ado, enjoy. So it all began with a man named Walt Disney. In 1923, he arrived in California with his hopes and little else. His first cartoon ever was done in Kansas City, and it was called Alice's Wonderland. And it was his pilot, so to speak, so that later he could sell the Alice's Wonderland series to distributors for money. Soon after this, he became very successful. And just a few months after moving to California, a distributor in New York bought the series, and thus Disney began. It was actually originally known as the Disney Brother Cartoon Studio because Walt was partnered with his brother, Roy Disney. But Roy suggested the name change to Walt Disney Studios, and then the series of Alice's Wonderland ended up being called Alice's Comedies and was made in four years by Walt. And after those four years, Walt wanted to make a new all-cartoon series, which was started by a character known as Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And for a year, Walt Walt worked extremely hard, and he made 26 of these cartoons. It was a successful year, except he needed more money for the following year of the series. But something happened that completely changed him. It turns out this New York distributor went behind his back, and he signed all of Walt Disney's animators and started to make the cartoons in his own studio for less money. Walt was furious, and so he reread the contract and realized that it was actually the distributor that owned the rights to the series the whole time. And just like that, a whole year of hard work was taken away from Walt Disney. And he used it as a learning lesson, and from there on out, he made sure that he owned the rights to everything he created. Going back to the very start of Disney, their studio was actually in the back half of a real estate building in Hollywood. However, soon after that, Walt had enough money to move into his own store for his own studio. And it was sufficient and good enough for just about a couple of years, but eventually he obviously needed a bigger studio as Disney grew. And soon, he found his ideal partner in a studio at Hyperion Avenue in Hollywood. It was there that Walt had to recover from the loss of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. He had to think of a new character. He needed a new way to make money. And just like that, Mickey Mouse was born. He became popular immediately after that, but one series wasn't enough for Walt, so he went on to produce another series called The Silly Symphonies. And Mickey Mouse was focused more on fun, quick, and witty humor. However, this show was more focused on the emotional, musical themes and mood of the show. Silly Symphonies actually ended up becoming the base, or platform or foundation, for all Disney artists preparing for animated feature films. Then, eventually came the first full cartoon in color. It was called Flowers and Trees, and it actually won an Academy Award for the best cartoon in 1932, which was the first year they even had that award. Disney actually won an Academy Award every year for the entire decade following that. Then came the next piece of the franchise in merchandising. 
Disney realized that merchandise could make them additional money for the money made from their films. A man in New York was making tablets, and he wanted Mickey Mouse's face on the tablet, so he offered Walt $300 for it. And Walt actually needed the money, so he agreed, and the merchandising started. Soon, there was Mickey Mouse everything. Mickey Mouse action figures, Mickey Mouse books, Mickey Mouse comic books, and so much more. Fast forward a few years after that, and Walt Disney is ready to make another feature film in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. People doubted Walt yet again, and many people were skeptical. However, soon, his enthusiasm became extremely contagious, and the project started. Three long years later, the movie was finished, and it became a major hit. In no time, it became the highest grossing movie of all time, and literally surpassed all expectations. Now, the company was, at this point, was much more stable and had much better footing, and all of Walt Disney's bills were paid by these movies. But even then, he wasn't content. Everything was looking bright and great until 1940, which was during World War II. At this time, Pinocchio and another movie called Fantasia were masterpieces and technologically innovative. But the movie didn't make as much money as it potentially could have because it lost big foreign markets. And it was a while before they continue because they lost all of these foreign markets to the war. And the following year, when they made the movie Dumbo, it had to be made with little money. And the same thing happened with Bambi after that. So they were like, you know what, let's just take a break and start it back up after the war. And the problem was with that was they were already so stable, so it would hurt how good their footing was at this time. But when the war was finally over, it was really hard for the studio to regain stability, like I said. Years passed where all they had were these package feature films just with animated shorts mixed together. Nothing really special. Except for this one true life adventure nature and photography series, which Walt actually won many awards for. But now we move into the 1950s, where things pick up speed. With Disney's first ever live action movie, Treasure Island, which I'm sure many of you have heard of. And animated movies were still what Disney was known for, so they still obviously made many of those. And one major one produced at this time was actually Cinderella. And then as Disney grew, they decided to move to television with the Disney Anthology series. And believe it or not, it aired for 29 years, which actually made it the longest-running television series of all time. After that, Disney decided to look back at its roots and make a Mickey Mouse TV show, which became a very popular TV show for children. Okay, now for you. Imagine being this successful, which almost none of us can say. Having this many shows, and imagine having as much money as Walt Disney had at the time. Imagine the happiness and contentness that would come with, with all of these accomplishments and awards and proving all the people that doubted you wrong. However, nothing was ever enough for him. He was never satisfied. After all of this, he still wanted to branch out even more and make even more money. And now we move into the time of history where we get amusement parks. Normally, when Walt would take his children to amusement parks in general, it would usually be his kids having fun on rides, on like a merry-go-round, for example, while he would just sit on the side on a bench or wherever he would sit. Walt Disney wanted to make a park where everyone could have a great time, whether it be adults or children. And after five years of construction and planning, Disneyland was made. And 1955 would mark that historic year in Disney history. And the great part about it was it managed to keep the theme of Disney and its shows while having these amazing rides for adults and children and keeping the theme of 
the the magicalness that Disney has always had. And Walt himself said that Disneyland would never be finished as long as there was imagination and creativity left in the world. And now that sounds like the most Disney thing you could possibly say, and I guess that makes sense. And the 1950s were very bright, with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea being released, as well as Mary Poppins. And everything was great, but everything great always comes to an end at some point. And that ended 16 years later when Walt Disney passed away. However, he always thought ahead. And he had made plans for the following years. And who managed these plans? His brother, Roy Disney, who took over after Walt Disney died. The year after Walt passed, we saw The Jungle Book. Three years after that, we had The Aristocats. Two years after that, we had The Love Bug, which of that whole year... It was the highest grossing movie. And the trend of branching out more still continued. It didn't stop as Walt Disney died. They also branched out to the education demographic. And also on top of this, right before Walt died, he actually made plans in Florida, another theme park. Roy followed through with his plans. We got Disney World and many resorts. And it became the number one destination for vacations all across the world. Unfortunately, soon after that, Roy Disney did pass in the late 1971s, and a new team of Disney moved up. This included three people who were actually all trained by both Roy Disney and Walt Disney. In the early 80s, Disney built their first foreign theme park in Tokyo. In the early 1980s, movies started to evolve. Fans and audiences stopped wanting these family films as much, and competitors were rising. To get the footing back on their side, they established a new label called Touchstone Pictures. And at this time, because Disney was viewed as weak and at a disadvantage, many corporate raiders tried to take advantage of them. And eventually, they succeeded and Disney became broken up. And two new men became president and chairman, and they just took off running. In the following years, they prepared to launch a cable network, and they left their current network television in 1983 for this new cable network. And so two years later, this division of Disney Touchstone came back with Golden Girls, which was insanely successful. Then, they returned to television with the Sunday night show, and Disney was back. They climbed the list, and with many movies, they reached the top of the all-time bestseller list. Now, we enter the time frame that our younger generations are much more familiar with, myself included. A man named George Lucas brought two rides to Disneyland, which included Star Tours and Captain EO. A popular ride in Splash Mountain opened as well as more resorts opened in Florida, and later more in Pleasure Island, Typhoon Lagoon, and Disney Studios. And yet again, more resorts were opened in the 1990s, and Disney reached new limits with their movies Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Good Morning, Vietnam, Three Men and a Baby, as well as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and more. And they reached $100 million with all of these. But again, they just kept expanding. They expanded to Hollywood Pictures, and they bought the Rather Corp and a KHJ, a Los Angeles television station. More and more, profitable Disney stores were opened and things started to look brighter than ever. And during the 1990s, Disney also went Broadway, and they speeded up the process of revamping the area known as Times Square. And again, believe it or not, they added another professional sports team in the California Angels baseball team. In 1996, six years into the 1990s, Disney bought Capital Cities, also known as ABC, with a $19 billion purchase, the second greatest transaction of all time. As the new century started in the 2000s, the president of Disney became Robert Iger, 
and they had a $25 billion revenue threshold. And then Disney introduced two luxury cruise ships for their very own Disney cruises. And even then, it didn't seem possible, but more limits were broken with The Little Mermaid. Then that was taken down by Beauty and the Beast. Then that was taken down by Aladdin in 1992. More TV shows were produced, more books and magazines were produced, and believe it or not, in 1993, a national hockey team called the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim were awarded to Disney. Disneyland Paris then opened in 1992. It had 11 million visitors in their first year. More resorts opened and even more money was brought in. Two years after, we got The Lion King, which became one of the highest grossing films of all time. Then Pocahontas a year after. Then Hercules two years after. Then Tarzan the year after. It was just going crazy. Now we enter the 2000s, which is much more familiar to all of us. And in the early 2000s, we saw movies like Lilo and Stitch, as well as Brother Bear. And at this time, they hadn't bought Pixar. They were just collaborating with Pixar. And they collaborated with Monsters, Inc. and more. ABC at the time included Miracle Worker and other shows like Child Star, The Shirley Temple Story. Disney Classics went on DVD in 2001, and more and more theme parks were opened. In 2003, which actually happens to be the year I was born, two movies made over $300 million for them, which was something they'd never seen before. These movies were Pirates of the Caribbean, as well as Finding Nemo. Disney had $3 billion in total global box office at this point. Now it seems like that's how much they make for one movie. And following this year, Disney bought The Muppets and welcomed The Incredibles. ABC had Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy, as well as Lost, which I actually reviewed in a previous episode. Fall of 2005 had Chicken Little and Chronicles of Narnia. 2006 had High School Musical and another major event happened as it was the launch of and release of Disney Channel, and they just took off. After many years of partnering, Disney eventually bought Pixar in 2006. The following year, we got to see Ratatouille, Enchanted, and our third Pirates of the Caribbean. Meanwhile, Disney Channel, which had already taken off, saw Hannah Montana, High School Musical 2, and actually released a game, which was a personal favorite game of mine as I grew up, in Club Penguin. And it doesn't stop. In 2008, we got Wally, Bolt, and Tinkerbell on the big screen, as well as Camp Rock and Phineas and Ferb on the little screen. 2009, Disney actually made huge moves with acquiring Marvel Entertainment. The same year, Disney had the movie Up, which is a personal favorite of mine, as well as The Princess and the Frog. Disney sold Miramax the next year, and we entered the new decade of 2010 with Alice in Wonderland and Toy Story 3, which both won two Oscars. On the big screen, we also got Tangled and Tron Legacy, as well as films like The Muppet and Winnie the Pooh and Cars 2. Finally, we're reaching 2012, which showed us John Carter, Brave, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Avengers. And they later went on to purchase Star Wars and make billions with that, as more and more Marvel movies were being produced and many animations. To conclude, Disney has been one of the most successful companies of all time, and they've only been getting bigger. And it's just crazy trying to wrap your head around all the ways they've been making money and how big they really are. All credit for this episode goes to the website d23.com. The link will be in the description. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to my show. Just search for Zombies Heroes, one word, in your favorite podcast app. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you'd tell family or friends about my show by maybe posting it on your Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram account. The link to share is zombiesheroes.com. If you have any comments or suggestions on how I can do better, 
and improve the show, I would love to hear from you. Please send me an email at MVP Rohan, MVP as in most valuable podcaster. Thank you.